Welcome to Lose the Gut Podcast. It's the only podcast you'll need to have the information to lose the gut and get asked the first time in your life. I can help you do this by teaching you through mindset, nutrition, and training, because these are three core fundamentals that you'll need. So let's go dive into today's episode. All right. So today we're going to talk about meal prepping, tips when you're low on time and trying to squeeze the full workouts in. Uh, tips. I actually did that today. I won't say that. Protein take your while cutting and bulking. Best of all, potatoes and rice for nutrients if available. Best cardio to protect knees. Thoughts on the sides of 12 or 30 walks for that. Eating during the holiday dinners, pre-workout, post-workout, protein, carb intake, sides edition, and yoga. So let's talk about the first one for meal prepping for vacation. Now, I would say this one really kind of depends on how far you do go to as well. Like if I'm going to the next town over, I'm doing a road trip where I can literally drive there. Then I am going to pre-pack on the meals itself, like basically cook on my chicken breast and like that ground beef and like the rice and put them into individual containers. Then I grab a cooler bag, maybe some like ice packs and cells and just throw them there. That's what I personally do. Or if you don't have that many meals going for a short time, you can do like a little smaller bag, six pack, those meal prep bags. But I always grab like a big cooler bag, throw in my ice packs, put my own meals in there. And I probably bring about like nine. Nine meals itself and a bag of protein carbs. So that's what I personally do. I'm going to road trip. Now, if I'm going on a plane, like I just get to Vegas, this Vegas trip was actually not my usual kind of routine. But I just wanted to show my followers to show you guys too as well. You can literally just get out every single meal and every day for all of them and still lose weight. Just got to choose the right choices. Also, like, you know, walk a lot more to your small side in your workout. So that was literally the point. I might chip over here. I had the full on kitchen. I had the refrigerator. I just want to show that it was possible. I haven't even the hardest place pretty much was Las Vegas or people would say because there's so many food options and there's things left and right. Like things turn up from everywhere. It's famous food. So I just want to show it's possible and what is the hardest place to do it. And I thought it'd be that Las Vegas. So I was like, let's give it a go. And I was successful at it. Now, with that being said, if you're on vacation, I definitely recommend trying to book a place like Airbnb with like a little kitchen over there. So the first thing you do when you land, you go to the grocery store and you buy the same pretty much groceries as if you were pretty much doing your normal kind of routine, right? So maybe it's your chicken breast, maybe it's a little rice source itself. Maybe you don't have your rice cooker if you put it in the pad or some potatoes and you can use the oven, kind of bake that one or find as close to the substitutes as possible, right? So that's how I normally kind of approach my vacations over there. And they kind of eat those meals accordingly. Now, I would still kind of eat out without the time to as well, but I would say like 75% of the meals would be the home cooked and having it over there versus like 25% of my boats eat. And I'd be kind of watching what I eat out over there, just like I kind of did in Vegas and follow all of a journey. Right. So that's kind of how I approach it right there. First thing I do is go to the grocery store, stock the one you normally get with a meal plan because you already know how to cook them and how they taste and how to adjust your body in that sense. And generally, when you're on vacation too as well, your walks a little bit more. So you kind of do stick with those kind of methods, probably go this way too as well, right? Just because that extra movement, unless you're at a Mexico resort, just chilling by the beach all day doing jack shit, uh, then maybe not. So, but if you're walking around a lot more exploring places, like I see it all the time, like for my Vegas trip, I was averaging like 35K steps a day. Well, I was full on, well, okay. And I would expect other people to do the same. But, you know, generally when I see other people go on vacation, Maybe they're averaging like 18K, 20K itself, just that they're depending on kind of where they go, right? So 
tips for when you're low on time trying to squeeze a full workout in i would definitely do more supersets right so i definitely wouldn't try to cram in the rest times because that's ultimately what's going to help you push more weight overall and create that greater stimulus on the muscle right so let's just say you have a lot of chest exercises that were kind of back to back but no supersets then maybe you're going to superset uh chest exercise with a shoulder exercise given that your push or you have a push day so you have chest shoulders and triceps uh i'm more ideally it'd be opposite muscle groups so let's just say chest and back but for most people itself kind of follow like the push leg splits or something kind of along those lines doing upper body just fairly workouts it'd be easier to just superset like your chest workouts and your back workouts might be like a bubble bent over row itself and maybe try to do a flat bench press or something where you could be close enough to that bubble bent over row and do a chest exercise maybe it's even like push-ups or something like that to try to squeeze that in basically supersets what i'm saying try not to superset the same muscle group at best ideally is like a bicep tricep chest and back hamstrings and quads because those opposite muscle groups one's working one is resting and you're able to get more out of those muscles hopefully it makes sense over there so that's definitely what i did after really 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 short time we could use that one exercise first and then you could do like two drop sets on it so you can really maximize that particular stimulus to that muscle and then superset it with another exercise and do the same thing where you're drop setting it over there now typically i wouldn't recommend that as much it's like super super crapped on top over there but just super saying those exercises pretty much almost gonna half your workout time and you should have definitely allocated at least half your work inside of uh if you're you know on the day itself so if super static maybe it's like your chest exercise shoulder exercises and you should always just like biceps given that it is like pushed it right just because you have chest tries and shoulders on the same day and if you're doing a ch super static chest i expect back you're definitely gonna be missing out well, not an extra stabilist because you're just over fatiguing your chest and not going to get the most out of it. Any numbers are going to drop to its volume, like which you normally did before. You're going to see a big zip in that one, and that's not what it wants. If you're trying to really retain all our muscle we can on the cut, or B, try to bulk up and gain more muscle, right? So hopefully that helps out. Now, protein take norm while cutting while bulking. Honestly, you need a little bit less protein when bulking than versus cutting. So either or scenario, I definitely kind of recommend that one wrap out of body weight, or if you have really hard time, one wrap out of lean body mass. So if you're like 20% body fat, chug of pounds, then you have basically means that 40 pounds of fat. So the bare minimum I would do is the 160 grams of protein. Now, I do recommend if you can get more in. This is for people really will struggle to get the protein. I kind of put that number, but I more do like that one gram. And when you're cutting itself, you could definitely go up to like one, you know, like 1.5 grams. That's pretty much more so well, I'm at 1.35 grams per pound of body weight as of right now. And I definitely do feel like it helps me feel more satiated, so feeling more full just because I have a bigger appetite and that kind of aspect. And I definitely do believe it helps me retain even slightly within my muscles. So that's why I put a little higher protein sake on cutting and even would go one higher than the 1.0 grams just because of those two reasons. One, it's going to make you feel more full. Two, it's going to make sure we're able to maximize muscle growth if that's your policy scenario or maximize your muscle really key, right? And so there's no really cause of going too much overboard in the study show. Uh, unless you go like maybe like four times your body weight, that might be very harmful on the kidneys. Unless you have a predisposed kidney kidney problem, then you might have to watch your kidney to, um, prior to that one. I don't know if you people who had that kind of problem that I worked with in the past. 
definitely have to cut it on the lower end. Even still with some of them, it was like kind of borderline here, right? So we really had to try to find that sweet spot. And we definitely noticed they lost a little bit more muscle than the other people in my case scenario, right? But that's something you have to work with given their body, right? So coaching is all about kind of suiting each other those needs to like their lifestyle and, you know, your health and how much we're able to kind of do, right? Because if someone, let's say, was on, I would say the Eastern person, let's say Europe, you don't eat very much protein at all. Like when I was in Italy, it was all pasta, pizza. I had never seen like a slice of chicken or pepperoni on like a pizza. Maybe it was like a salami, but it's pretty much all fat. And their pasta was like barely any protein. It's usually just like the pasta and sauce. Maybe there'd be like a shrimp one, a couple of them in there. But basically their protein diet is almost non-existent. Uh, you compared and diet, we have more like burgers and stuff like that which at least has some protein. So maybe with some like an Italian kind of background, I'm really trying to get into that one. I might scrap a little lower protein intake number at first, just so we kind of get adjusted to it. But the ideals in this situation, we're talking about optimum, it's pretty much that one grab high body weight to at least bulky cutting-wise. Now we'd even go up to like 1.5 grams for the cutting-wise as like more of that chat, but still real downturns going even more on that side. All right, so best swaps for pro- potatoes, rice, if for the agents, if not it's available. So if you don't have potatoes, you don't have rice, quinoa is also pretty good. Oatmeal is pretty good on that aspect. Uh couscous is also pretty good over there. So I would say those are more of like the top ones for just those ones. Now for potatoes, it is a little bit lower digesting. Also it has a lot a lot of potassium more than bananas, which is all which big reasons why I really like them kind of feels meal wads. That's why this long digesting really fills you up for longer. Two is very amortizing, which can help with muscle contractions. And that's something a lot of people kind of lack is that potassium in their diet. Rice definitely doesn't give that potassium. And people don't, uh, if you eat a lot of banana itself, it's going to spike your insulin blood sugars a lot. But it's okay. But potatoes are definitely kind of a better option for that one. Also, is rich in some vitamins. So potatoes is a big stable for a lot of people. And Rice is just fast digesting, very easy digesting over there. And it's hard to like iron too as well. So it's really easily digesting. And that's why I apply it to a lot of people, especially like a total store belt. Well, they want something that's faster digesting and easy to as well. So you can restore those glycogen available after your workout and recover a little bit faster. But yeah, couscous, oatmeal, and quinoa, I'd say, are the other ones that are a little better options if you don't have the rice. All right, best cardioprotect knees. So this specific scenario itself, I would say if you're actively trying to better your knees in that sense, backwards walking, it's pretty great. If you're trying to protect your knees instead in like the context of not damage them kind of even further, I would say cycling is really good or even swimming is probably the best bet itself. Elliptical can be great too as well. If you're actively trying to even better your knees and make them stronger, more bulletproof, we call them. Backwards walking on a treadmill is actually very popular. Even if you have no speed to it, and it was just like that wrap over there, and you actually pushing against it, that's going to really help to strengthen up those knees, which is something I read more recently, actually. So, but you're talking about not kind of further damage your knees because you have a lot of knee pain right now, and treadmill kind of hurts, stair mask kind of hurts itself. I'd say elliptical or cycling or swimming is going to be the best bet. Cycling probably being number one. But that sort of burns at least calories, doesn't so your heart rate as much. Swimming is at the top, but a lot of people don't even have access to that in the pool. I think gyms, that's a lot more, I would say, 
tedious to go swimming because let's just say after the workouts, if you hit the cycling machine right away, it's a lot easier. But there's like a gap between once I change in, swimming into the swimwear, getting the bat tile against swimming. So a lot of people don't end up doing that one. And also that barrier to entry is a lot higher, which is usually where I don't prescribe swimming as an exercise, right? Hope that makes sense because you want to make that barrier to doing that cardio or getting that action step done as easy as possible. And that is a big reason why people don't do credit in the first place swimming does because that is an extra thing after the workout, right? And if training. For creating more barriers and entry, like on swimming and changing and grab the towel and have the shower and all that, it's a bigger barrier to entry, right? So, for example, it's like I'd say after you go to work and it's like 2 a.m. in the morning and you're supposed to hit the work earlier, but now it's 2 a.m. and then there's like a big traffic to the gym, but then it's a free empty road to your house, right? So, you're already tired. And I mean, you know, you're supposed to work out on the day. You're retired with this big free empty road. Now it's a big shop lamp to go to the gym over there. So your blood is probably more likely to go home just because of the barrier to entry. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, thoughts on science of 12 or 30 for walk for verdict facts. I should heard more of the thing of like the was it 10 3 30? I think I've heard that more, but I get the concept over there. So basically person saying like incline swap, speed of four miles per hour. And for 30 minutes, there's no real science to the hat. It's just sexy numbers as somebody could kind of get to, right? So I guess the person that designed this one itself was just like, okay, well, what kind of numbers itself would be kind of easier to remember, but also 30 minutes is quite a long time for the cardio wise. So it is going to burn quite a bit more calories and have that incline, which is very steep and that speed, it's pretty fast itself. Your heart rate is probably going to be at a pretty kind of high rate. Now, there's no real sides behind that though. It's just these arbitrary numbers. They kind of throw at you over there and it's quite a long duration and a high intensity and also a very steep incline. All right. So eating during holiday dinners, I'm not sure what this person really wants to know exactly about that one, but when it comes to eating about holiday dinners, I definitely have the approach of pretty much not exactly fasting before you go to holiday dinners. It is just eating lean protein and vegetables. So really try to just fill up your protein take early on the day. Then when you go to the holiday dinner or holiday party whatsoever, you could enjoy it a little bit more, right? And it's going for like one slice of that pumpkin pie or something that's not like three or four, or like having you know one scoop of that mashed potatoes or like, you know, a couple slices of turkey over there. But it's just trying out a little bit of the things and not going like all in with not stealing that whole turkey without the protein or not stealing that whole kind of school with grandma's favorite bake here or something like that, right? So it's just trying a little bit of it, right? And obviously having a healthy relationship food is going to help with that between school because even all or nothing mentality, it might kind of be that little bit, you know, oh shit, maybe I had that one cookie, now I need like 20 of them, right? So really pay yourself over there, just allow yourself the one of like a lot of different things. And maybe that cookie is trigger binge, right? So when my trigger binge is every time before you had that, it triggers a binge response. So maybe you should kind of completely stay away from that because it's something in the past that causes that response. All right. Pre-workout and post-workout protein carving to science. I like this one. All right. So when it comes down to this one, your pre-workouts, carbs, and your proteins, your protein should be a little bit moderate. It should be faster adjusting. Your carbs should be a little higher and faster adjusting too as well and easier adjusting, which is why everything in meal plan is designed for a specific reason. So I'm not going to really put potatoes as your pre-workout meal. Unless maybe it's like you're eating three hours beforehand because that's the only time you can really eat. 
So it's going to slow digestion. So you have energy for workouts, but I would pretty much have all of your meals in 69 minutes. So it might be like a rice. It might be like a quicker instant oats, right? It's not the thick oats because if it's the thick oats, it's like long digest. It's a quicker instant oats. It's a lot faster digest itself. So with that, with that, with a protein powder, it's like protein oats because protein powder is a lot faster digesting. I'm not going to give you a casein one, which is a very long digesting one. I mean, we isolate, which is also very high protein, low in fat. So you want that quickly absorbed into our body so we can use it for the workouts, right? Even things like a Rice Krispie or even like a cereal itself or honey, I could use pre or post workouts. Very much pre or post workout meals could be almost the same because concepts are very similar with higher carbs and the more protein. I would say post workout, you get a little bit more protein than your pre workout one, right? But that protein itself as a pre workout, we definitely want to have that so we don't very much lose that muscle itself and we can actually maintain or could build some of that muscle kind of back up so you're not just in a damaged state and also slow down your digestion because we just purely need to carbs itself as a pre-workout meal. We're going to spike your blood sugars levels a lot and that's going to cause some insulin resistance in that long run side of things. All right. So post-workout though, like there's some other things we could do for that, like a little bit higher in the protein take just because our protein synthesis is a little higher. So our basically our absorption rate for protein is a little bit higher after the workout and our carb intake, it can be a little bit higher to swallow just because your body is in a depleted state of glycogen. So what we go through what we call super compensation. So we're able to absorb more of that protein directly, which is why your meal plan is where you have more of the carbs pre and post workouts versus the other times of the day where you have a little bit less because we're able to intake more of it, not getting that fat over there, recover a little bit better, but also helps you out in the recovery aspect. All right, hopefully that makes sense. Now, next up is me yoga. So this person literally just wrote yoga. I'm not sure what to really elaborate too much on, but I personally done yoga in the past. And honestly, I think the biggest thing that really helped me with is flexibility and stability. So under that is getting into different ranges of motion. So let's just say for the bench press, bench press can be an example to as well. If I'm able to really get a deeper stretch because I'm able to retract my shoulder blades better because I did yoga, getting to different positions that could help my chest roll a little more because I'm able to get deep positions or, or maybe I'm not as tight because let's just say my traps were really tight before and I very much had with really tight shots. Let's go with that and a really tight chest. Then my chest thought might be activating as much as if they were a little bit looser, right? And the blood flowing there. So I get more activation on my chest, the, the yoga, in that kind of sense, right? So they can help with a little bit things over there. Uh, especially like squatting, I would say this one's definitely what the help me most. Because I sit down a lot of my day kind of working along my computer. So that means I really always have tight hips and I do the same mobility drill every time I go to the gym. But when I did yoga, I definitely noticed like I could get deeper even squats without my heels lifting off, right? Something I have to do every time I go to the gym is do civic ankle exercises. So my heels don't work off and hip drills. But with yoga itself, really getting into positions, holding them. I could definitely use less of those mobility drills to get to positions over there. And that in turns can activate more muscles, which can help with more muscle gain. So it's like a long kind of when answer basically with that more mobility and stability in my movements from the yoga aspect that can potentially gain a little bit more muscle because of an activation of my muscles, right? Because again, to deep positions, they can be more stable in that stance. All right. So. Thanks for tuning in to the Lose the Gut Podcast. If you got value from this one and really learned something, I'd want to take it one further step forward so you can lose the gut and finally get your abs. 
just DM me on Instagram at KevinWoo underscore. The word's gut, and we can have a conversation to see if, how to help you out. Cheers.